On this episode of The Mompreneur Show, I'm talking to the remarkable Rhonda Stoppy. She's a wife, a mother of four children, an author and speaker dedicated to helping women live life with no regrets. On the show today, she will share with us how to be good at all three, marriage, motherhood, and entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for joining us live on The Mompreneur Show today. I'm your host, Vicky Lashenko, and this is a show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mompreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey Rhonda, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be with you. It is so good to have you. I love the message that you're spreading around the world with your speaking engagements and with your books about how to live a no regrets life. And I cannot wait to dig into all the things that um, we can do to build a no regrets life. But let's start from the very beginning. How did you start your career of writing and speaking and at the same time raising a beautiful family of four children and a husband of how many years? 35 this October that we just had. It's great. Oh my gosh. And see, I love that you're speaking your walk. And I, you know, how there's this quote, like walk your talk, but you're doing it the other way around. You're actually talking about your walk, which is so inspiring. All right. I'll take it, give it to you and I'll let you um, talk about your story. I think if I were going to address all of the moms that are listening, um, I remember when I was just keeping my head above water. I remember uh, when after my first daughter was born, I had worked in corporate America, climbing that corporate ladder. And my husband and I had agreed that we were going to, I was going to be a stay-at-home mom when our kids were born. Mm -hmm. We lived in the San Francisco Bay Area. uh, And back then, uh, this was in 19, uh, let me think, 81. Mm -hmm. The olden days in 1900s when I got married. (laughs) And we were uh, wanted to buy a house. So our first house, I'll kind of back up, as we were engaged, we were looking for houses, and my husband and I found this cute little house in the middle of this adorable little uh, community called Willow Glen in the San Francisco Bay Area, and it was this, I think it was maybe 800 square feet little dump, so we remodeled it because my husband was in construction, and then we moved into a one-bedroom little house, and it was a great place to start. And then after that, we decided to sell and buy another, and we realized the housing prices were had gone up. So we started living in our homes that we were remodeling. We could, um, you know, they have shows now. All the people that are doing fixer uppers yes, like yes. We had our own show, and just nobody got it back then. Everybody's like, "You're weird, living in, um, you know, sheetrock dust and skill saws all over the floor, or whatever." But at that point, when we decided to, I got pregnant, and we had just bought this house, and we had this huge house payment, even on a dump back in the, in the Bay Area, yeah, it's yeah. Just expensive. So we had a decision to make. It's like, okay, we always said that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, but my salary was paying for our house payment, and Steve was paying for everything else. And so we really had to decide, are we going to commit to what we had talked about, or are we going to you know, put her in daycare or whatever. And I just Mm. really, really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So I quit my job and we just started figuring it out. And back then, my contribution was managing our budget, not, you know, spending the money that I would have spent when I was working, um, but also in just helping what I could do to remodel the house. And so a lot of that just meant a lot of uh, grunt work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was my contribution at the time. And then we would, as soon as the house got finished... Steve would come home and he'd be like, 
hey baby and I'd be like no it's so pretty and he'd have found another fixer-upper and we couldn't afford to live in one house yeah yeah so we had to move into it so I'm always you hire somebody to clean at least one room that I can you know not be disgusted by it and I'll move into it so that was the beginning of our relationship my contribution to our uh, business in construction was just uh, not to complain, to suck it up, and to do what I could to help him uh, accomplish his dream. Okay, so, so I'm going to stop you right there for a second. Um, I can so relate to this because we are currently, we bought our first house here in the South, and we are remodeling it. And it is it has been so stressful because we're on a time frame. We have to move in because we were we were literally living with family. And it was like, okay, we're moving in, but if the house is not done, we're literally moving in tomorrow. And we don't have our floors in yet. Oh, yeah. I've been there. <laughs> so, and I'm like preparing myself, like, and my husband's amazing, but I tend to whine, like, oh, everything is dirty. I can't even do, like... So how do you set yourself up for success about not whining and complaining about like, how do you position your mindset in a way to be a positive and supportive wife? It, it takes every day, every day deciding. And it's not just looking at in the moment, it's looking at the big picture. And one of the, at the very end of my book, if my husband would change, I'd be happy and mm-hmm. other myths wives believe. Mm-hmm. I talk about a quote where a man said, I have known um, amazing, let's see, how did it go? I have known average men that have accomplished great things because they have a woman in their corner telling them they can. Mm. And I think that's the key is, you know, if your husband's coming home, my husband had to work all day. It wasn't like the remodel was his job. He went to work all day. And when he came home, into the evening, he'd be, you know, doing whatever he could while I'm trying to make dinner, you know, on a little electric skillet or we're doing fast food yet again or whatever. Uh, But I think just helping him understand, I see the big picture and he knows the sacrifice that you're making, but if you're not doing it joyfully, um, it's, it's really going to be hard on your marriage. It's going to be hard on him. It's not going to give him the energy to do it. And then I'll say this, I know people that are like, okay, we got to get it done. We're not going to do anything fun. We're not going to do anything until this house is done. We didn't do that. We played. Uh, there were times where it's like, you know what? Let's get out of here and go away for the weekend. Or let's just take the kids and go to Disneyland. Or let's just do something other than remodeling this house that we're having to live in. And I know a lot of people can remodel a house from afar. But when you're living in it, um, yeah, it becomes so uh, – it can become consuming. Uh, and also, I like stop sweeping up the sheetrock dust every day because it's going to be there tomorrow. So write your name, write I love you, honey, in it with a happy face and go to bed. It's it's easier. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yes, drywall dust is, has been the story of my life. Like, I've been coming home with, like, white hair. I feel, I still, I still think I have paint on my hands. Like, you know, it's, it's a life. But see, we're not living in there right now. We are going to move into it before it's ready. But I grew up like that, too. Like, I grew up with my, my dad and mom remodeling our home and living from room to room. <laughs> like living in the only clean room and remodeling everything all around it and eating outside and stuff. Um, I totally get it. So let's- you know, it, it creates this intimacy and this um, camaraderie in your relationship and even in your family. Uh, Gary Smalley wrote a book a long time ago 
and it, and he did a video series. It's called Hidden Keys to Loving Relationships. I mean, this was like in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that he talked about in there, he had interviewed all of these really well-adjusted families and marriages. And he asked them like a survey, like to find out what was in common of these families that, mm-hmm. and marriages that were doing so well. And one of the things that they said was we went, we go camping together. Wow. And um, so he took his family camping, wasn't a camper and everything that could go wrong went wrong. It rained, their son got hurt. They had to end up in the emergency room. Terrible. They got home and they were like, we'll never go camping again. But then they started telling their stories about camping and laughing. And then he realized camping is a challenge that everybody goes together as a family to accomplish something. And it knits you together. So we never liked the, did the camping thing as much as the remodeling. And in the first chapter of my book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, I talk about after we had done a bunch of that remodeling, my husband's goal has always been to have land and to be debt free. Mm-hmm. And so in the 80s, the housing prices skyrocketed in the Bay Area. And Steve was like, this is it. This is our chance to cash out. We got to get out of here. And he found this 80 acre ranch outside wow. of the Bay Area, dirt cheap, had a little house on it covered in snow. We pulled up to it. So pretty, charming. And I knew I was holding my husband's dream in my hand. And wow. his eyes were, you know, those heart shapes in his eyes. It's like, this is it. And I remember, I knew if I said no to him, we wouldn't have done it. I knew that if I would have said, I can't move in the middle of nowhere, I can't, you know, live, move into this one bedroom little house. We had two kids at the time, but I knew I was holding his dream. So I said, yes, we signed on the dotted line, sold our house in the Bay Area. And we went back up after the house closed escrow to look at it. And the snow had melted. We bought a shack. It was not a cute, charming little cottage. Oh the snow made it look like it had frosting all over it. It was horrible. No power. We lived on a generator for two years. I slept on a sofa bed with Steve while the kids had the one bedroom with bunk beds. There was a wood stove in the living room. Oh so gosh. we like, tried to tell ourselves how romantic that was. <laughs> so romantic that I had a surprise pregnancy. Did my whole pregnancy with my third child on that sofa bed. And you know what? Oh my gosh. That's the house we live in now, but my husband added on to this house and uh, the memories that my kids have, the memories that Steve and I have, the tears. I cried. I I made sure he knew, I'm doing this for you, buddy. And <laughs> it wasn't like I was oh always gosh. like, yay, attaboy. I mean, he left yeah. work at five in the morning, commuted, didn't get home till seven at night, and then he would work all night, not all night, but through the evening and on the weekends on this house. And I had to choose to be joyful about it I had to choose Mm. not to you know remind him what sacrifice I was making he knew and I was pregnant with my youngest Kayla literally doing dishes in the bathtub sitting sideways because I couldn't reach for the tub and yet you know we've been married 35 years I love where we live I write books I stay home I work from home most of the time no one interrupts me because we live on this 80 acre ranch behind a gate in the middle of nowhere. I, I was telling you earlier, we only have internet for the last two years. So there was like just no distractions and I couldn't be living a better dream. But I feel like the dream my husband had was the right one for us, but I could have crushed it if I would have been like, nope, I want my conveniences. Well, Rhonda, let's talk about that because... <laughs> Are you sure you want to? <laughs> well, no, no, this is the thing. This is what I'm really passionate about and this is what I'm about. And you know, the listeners that, you know, the mamas joining us live, like they love this kind of stuff. And the thing is, is that I wouldn't say no one talks about it, but it's talked about very little about this mompreneurship marriage, family, because we live in a world where we are told, we women, 
especially right now, we women are told we can do and be anything. Our dreams matter. We can be anyone we want to. We can, I mean, seriously, like we have all the power to leave our homes and do whatever we want, whatever, and the world will be on our side. So how do you stay committed to to your husband and live his dream because seriously in a secular world you would think that like um you're you're living your husband's dream are you kidding me like go on and live your own dream girl you know so how do we say no to what the world is telling us and really live live our husband's dream because i feel like when we it's okay I would say maybe live our husband's dream is not the the right words, but when we help him live his dream, we are essentially living ours too. And so I want to, I want to talk about this. And I think I had to wrestle with that when we moved up to the middle of nowhere and I was pregnant, you know, we bought horses because right away, if you're going to live in the country, you got to have horses, right? So we had horses, there were wild Mustangs up there at the time trying to break our horses out. I mean, I'm like Bay Area girl born in Los Angeles and I am literally on top of a hay bale, I mean, of a stacks of hay with a big pregnant belly. I've got a two-year-old in the house by himself. And I'm out trying to beat the neighbor's cows off of our hay because it looks like ground up alfalfa, looks like ground up money. And I'm like, beating this cow, yelling at it. And then all of a sudden I look at myself and I'm like, look at my big old belly. I'm in my bathrobe. It's like probably two o'clock in the afternoon. Why get dressed? No one's going to pop in on you up there. And I remember like just bursting into tears and I'm like, how is this my life? I was homecoming queen. (laughs) And I go in the house and I remember like now it's funny, but at the time I was feeling like, why am I doing this? And yet I believed in my husband. My husband is a goodwill man. And he has good ideas and good plans and good passion to do the things that I know are going to be good for both of us. So, yeah, it cost us a lot. In fact, there's a little restaurant up where we live. It's a little there was one of the last one room schoolhouses in the nation was up there when my kids went to the school. I mean, it was a super fun little house on the prairie period kind of of our life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Little restaurant that was up there. All the people that had lived up there, some people even homesteaded up there like in covered wagons. Their families have been there for years. They were taking bets on that we were going to be divorced. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. You just watch my smoke. And I tell you, there were things. And it wasn't just us. Anytime a city slicker brought his wife up there to try to live that life. I mean, generator for two years. uh, There was always that, you know, like everybody putting money down. Why is that? Why is that? Well, I think it's because wives, for the most part, it it is an inconvenience. And it's something that unless you get on board that you see the big picture, unless you're looking yeah. ahead to say, no, I I believe in you. I believe you have our best interest in mind. Yeah. I believe you are being inspired by something greater than yourself to accomplish this. Yeah. And I am willing to walk with you through that. And the cool thing about our whole story is um, Steve was a youth pastor. He was in youth construction, but he always worked in a youth ministry in the Bay Area. And we have a passion oh for just helping teenagers like figure out their life and not destroy their lives when they're at that age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when uh, we really wanted to go into full time doing that, but we couldn't. In fact, the church that Steve was youth pastoring in the Bay Area had offered him a full time job. And I'm like, wow. let's do it. And Steve's like, baby, we can't. We can't afford to. Our our uh, wow. monthly nut is way more than they could ever afford to pay us. Wow. 
So that's when we decided we're cashing out, we're doing this. And then uh, if you fast forward after 10 years that we'd had that property, we moved to Texas for a while uh, Mm -hmm. and kept our house and we moved back 17 years ago. But the reason we moved back was because a little church in a town called Patterson that we didn't even know existed Mm -hmm. at the time that is 22 miles from our ranch in a small little town in the Central Valley, um, contacted my husband and hired him, asked him to come on as their full-time pastor. And we were like, let's do it. And the thing about that was we could not have afforded to live on the salary that that small church was offering us. So how did you do it? We had our ranch and we were debt-free. We had no house payment on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we were able to come back to our ranch and live in this house that Steve had built that we loved and take a job that otherwise we would have been able, we'd have to live in like the church parsonage or, or I would have had to get a job. And uh, anyone who's married to a man in ministry knows that if you're, if you want to help him, that means you don't necessarily want to be gone all the time. You don't, you know, if I'm going to, my husband has a commitment. He's a counselor not to counsel women alone. So I'm always in the room when he counsels. Well, if I was to go get a job full time to mm. support needs that would have tied his hands and would have been in evenings or whatever so yeah yeah. really really interesting so how did you become an author and speaker about the no regrets life well i steve and i both have spoken to youth for years and like i said that has been my passion when you can step into the life of a young woman and help her build a no regrets life Mm -hmm. when you can give her a a biblical foundation a foundation that's based on morality that's not based on just live your dream you know what what you feel today and and ride your emotional roller coasters i think any of us ladies know that our emotions change every about every 28 days we don't even know what we want so that became a passion of mine when i was younger when my kids were little steve and i spoke at youth camps and our kids always went with us to the camps Mm -hmm. they always hung out with us they always loved it and and we had a youth that met in our home in te- in uh, Austin, Texas and we had 200 teenagers at our house every wow. Wednesday. We made over 10,000 hot dogs in one year because if you feed them they will come and we had a blast doing that. In fact, wow. our oldest son Tony came to our family as a result of that youth ministry. Uh, we met him when he was 15 years old. Wow. And it's interesting because you meet a lot of kids from So Rutgers. you adopted him. We did not on paper adopt him, yeah. but took him into our family and he became our son. Uh, and he graduated from high school, went to A&M University, went into the Air, Air Force with a slot as a, a fighter pilot in the Air Force. And um, it just the impact that we were able to have, not only in the lives of all of those kids, but he wrote the most beautiful note. In fact, in my book, Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, Tony wrote about the impact of being in a family, seeing a husband love his wife, a wife honor her husband, uh, children respect their dad. Like even just that short time that he was in our home, how it transitioned his understanding of what a healthy family even looked like. Tony is now, I think he's 30, 35, 36 years old. I can't remember, just had a birthday. And uh, he's married to a wonderful, godly woman. He has um, two great kids. He just made lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. And... um, Anyway, I kind of chased a rabbit there. But having that be what we wanted to see as, the, as what we wanted to do with our lives, yeah. we had to realize, okay, if I go to work, mm-hmm. I can help. I can make sure we get medical insurance. I can make sure that we get all of the things that we need. But that's going to lead to Steve to do a lot of the schooling for our kids. Because I ended up, when we moved back to California, we did, it's called um, independent study through the high school in yeah. Patterson. Because we live 45 minutes from town. So our oh two youngest... Um, did school basically at home. Home school, yeah. Once. 
Yeah. And I was always like, oh, I'm not a homeschooler. <laughs> I, uh, and it's you know, ironic. I speak at homeschool conventions all the time now. And I think it's when I used to go to them when my kids were little, everybody was like wearing, um, well, I was going to say denim jumpers and Birkenstocks, but Birkenstocks are back in style now. <laughs> it's definitely. I was like, I don't fit here. I, I'm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. Okay. So. So you um, you didn't want to go back to work. You homeschooled your children. How did you get into writing, and how did that impact your life and uh, your income? As a speaker, I um, I speak at different events, and I was speaking at an event that another woman, her name is Cindy McMiniman, who is an author, she was speaking at this event. She was the keynote speaker, and she and I had lunch together. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, and I was chatting, and, and you know, I had always had this impression on my heart that I wanted to write, but I'm not a writer. I dangle my participles. I run on my sentences. I can't sit in a chair for five minutes without getting distracted, but I love teaching. I love, you know, let me help you build a no regrets life, whether it's a one-on-one mentorship or whether it's in a situation where I'm uh, involved with, uh, you know, a group setting or a women's event or retreat, whatever. So Cindy and I were having lunch together, talking about our life stories and she said, can I ask you a question? Why are you not a published author? And I, she reached wow. over and grabbed my arm, and I pulled my arm away, and I said, why would you say that to me? <laughs> I said, I'm not a writer. I'm a teacher. I'm passionate about teaching and mentoring this next generation to build No Regrets Lives, but I am not a writer. And she reached back over and grabbed my arm, and she said, Rhonda, writing's just teaching on paper. And it was like this enormous aha moment for me. Wow. Because I am passionate about that. She goes, my books go into prisons. I get emails from women I never would have met or mentored because my book found its way into her life. And she said, I'm going to help you. And I'm like, really? So she, Cindy called me once a week for a year. And she had written a book called um, When a Woman Discovers Her Dreams. And so she's passionate to help women discover their dreams. And it's a great book if you want to pick it up. Yeah. Um, And she called me once a week for a year, and she helped me write five book proposals about topics that I was really passionate about, and she edited them and walked me through them. I mean, it was a lot of work, Uh, and she didn't charge me to do that. She just wanted to help me, and then she sent all my proposals to um, Harvest House Publishers, Mm -hmm. and her editor contacted me, and we met together with uh, the president of Harvest House and my husband and I. Looked at all my book proposals. They rejected all of them, which I was like, all right, get out of jail free card. I don't have to do this. It's like <sighs> writing term paper all for your whole life. And then the uh, president of Harvest House, Bob Hawkins, asked me, you know, I had a, a series of speaking engagements. And he said, tell me about this one, Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. And I said, well, you know, the book resonates with moms because we are passionate to guide our sons to live a life with no regrets. And we don't know what we're doing. And I remember when my kids were born, all Mm -hmm. of them, I knew I wasn't the mom I longed to be. I knew I wasn't the mom I meant to be. I just didn't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. So Steve and I were in youth ministry, and I had looked around at the families of our youth and the kids that stand out. And I asked their moms, will you mentor me? I want to know what it is you do. And so that's really what my message, Moms Raising Sons to Begin, is just a personal mentor to guide women how to lead their their children to a life with no regrets. So Mm -hmm. he said, write write that book, Moms Raising Sons. I go, no, no, no. I only have two sons and two daughters. Uh, I'm not an expert in raising sons. And he said, no, that's the book I want you to write. So that was my first book for Harvest House Publishers. Uh, And I was telling you earlier... um, when it first came out, it was selling a thousand copies a month. The number one place was, you know, at Walmart and airports and truck stops. Just wow. Random. This is wow. moms come by and see that title, and there I'm going to show it to you. And there's like 
mom's raising sons to be men. That's me. And they'll grab it because we know, we know what an ominous task it is to guide a son to be the man. You know, I think as a woman, when we're raising our daughters, we're like, okay, I get it. It happened to me. It's not that miraculous. But when those sweet, sweet faced little boys start getting like whiskers on their face and hairy armpits and smelling kind of funky, we're like, okay, I don't know who you are and I don't know what to do to help you, but I need help. And we only get one shot at it. And that's where mentors come in. Because those of us that have walked the path ahead can say, hey, here, this is my, my successes. This is my failures. This is the things I wish I had known before I had that baby little boy. And mm. it talks about raising your kids all the way from when they're children to adulthood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so anyway, that's how I started writing. Oh, my gosh. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay. So let's – okay. So your story is so remarkable. Like I'm – it speaks directly to my heart and those of you who are watching live from your homes please let me know how this interview speaks to you uh Rhonda has such an incredible story I can relate to so many pieces of it and I hope that you can too now Rhonda um what advice do you have for um for moms for wives who are overwhelmed and maybe thinking like what did I get myself into by marrying this guy or what What in the world am I doing? I never imagined my life like this. What would you tell to moms like that who I feel been, that? I've been there. And I think every mom at some point has been yeah. there. Yeah. Um, when I had my third child, Kayla, uh, we were living in the middle of nowhere. And I, after I uh, had her, I had postpartum, which I had never had. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I had it because I can relate to women now because mm-hmm. I speak all over and talk about the issues that women face in their life and postpartum and even um, PMS. Because after I was done with the postpartum, I had really bad PMD. I was like a crazy person. And I remember it was all crazy up in here. I just got yeah, very quiet exactly. and, and, and pulled back. Uh, and I remember when I explained it to Steve, I was like, he's like, you know, he's known me. He's my high school sweetheart. And we fell in love. I was 14 years old when I met him. I was a stoppy stalker from way back. And, uh, and uh, we, when we got married, I was only 20 years old and he has mm-hmm. just, he's an incredible man. I just can't even tell you he's the kindest person anyone would ever want to meet. It's we just, don't always see that in our husbands. Yeah. You have to look for it. And I think that's yeah. the key. There's a scripture that I have memorized from Ephesians that, that guides me and it's whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. There is a way to That's fall perfect. in love and there's a way to stay in love. When you fell in love with your husband, you thought about that nice tight hiney that he had in those blue jeans and the way that he, you know, walked in the door and just looked just so and smelled so great and anything he did, but he just walked on water. And then after we get married, we stop focusing on those yeah. things that made us fall in love with them yeah. and we focus on the things that don't measure up to our expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my book, If My Husband Would Change, I talk about my husband had an obsession with peanut butter toast. After we were married, I didn't realize I have this obsession with crumbs. And so I would walk in the kitchen, and he's thinking he's saving me the trouble of not using a paper plate or a, pl- or a, a plate I have to wash. So he would make the toast on the counter. And then he would leave these peanut butter toast crumbs. And I, 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 and I <laughs> are you kidding me right now? Because we assign motives to people's actions. So when you do that, you're telling me you don't care about what I do all day. Yes. You're saying you didn't even notice that I cleaned the kitchen. So I would gasp audibly, and then he'd come in and be like, what? Thinking someone murdered the cat, you know? And I'm like, the crumbs, the crumbs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, I married a crazy person. 
So in this time when I was struggling with PMS, I remember telling my husband a story about, um, imagine if you were a werewolf. And every 28 days, you were going to turn into this werewolf, and you're going to eat whoever was near you, whether oh you love them or not. And the only hope you had as a werewolf is that someone would care enough about you to lock you in a cage until the, until the full moon had passed. And, you know, when you really want someone to understand where you're coming from, tell yeah. them a story that they can relate to. I watched Steve have an aha moment when I shared that story. He got it. And he couldn't change the emotions that I was feeling or the overwhelmed mm-hmm. feeling, but he stepped in and helped me. He, as much as he could, would keep the kids in, away from my, uh, you know, you just the, the noises that get to you at that time. It's just, it's... How did you communicate that with him, though? Like, how did you communicate that you needed that? Well, I think starting with the werewolf story and then explaining to him, you know, because our husbands want to rescue us. I mean, yeah. for the most part, they want to be our knight in shining armor. Yes. Sometimes they don't realize that they need to be their knight in shining armor. Rescue me from me. I'm, I'm crazy. And so when I explained to him my need is I don't want to be this person and I'm going to do everything I can to not let any ugliness come out of my mouth, but I need you to keep the kids from just pushing my buttons. I know that Mm. it seems like I should be able to handle it, but I just, I really can't. And so I think not in the middle of when you're crazy, you know, and going, why can't you? And nobody understands Mm, and mm -hmm. blaming everybody else for how you're feeling. Mm. I think recognizing my hormones are what are making me feel this way. So now I need to uh, take those thoughts captive. I need to not believe those thoughts that seem to be so true. I need to choose. My husband's a goodwill man. He works hard for our family. Uh, he can't possibly know what's going on with me because I don't even know what's going mm-hmm. on with me. I'm going to believe the best about him. And I'm going to, in my rational time when I'm not feeling crazy, I'm going to explain to him, this is my need. Let's give, get a plan for how you can help me when I'm in that fragile state. That's powerful. Um Rhonda, that's powerful. And um, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, how to how do we let him know if we need his help? Um, Wendy, I think that's a question. No question mark at the end. But um, Rhonda, how do we let him know? Like, do we talk about it? Do we um, maybe find a perfect? And I know that Wendy, you talked about this too. Like, sit him down when he's in a good mood and tell him, "Hey, this is what I feel." I feel like. Every time that I do this to my husband, I'm like, honey, you know, I'm PMSing right now. I am so, so sorry for like being so bratty because I seriously, I get bratty and, and just warning him about it and saying like, please be patient with me right now. I'm like really stressing out and he totally gets it. It's so interesting because when you're honest with your emotions and like, First, you have to be honest with yourself, and then you have to share it with your husband. And I find that actually he started sharing his emotions with me as well. It's so interesting when he, because you know, he's so masculine, and our husbands are, and they're so manly, and he can, you know, he get can get frustrated, and he'll tell me, "I'm sorry, this and this and this is really frustrates me. I feel really frustrated right now. Just don't mind me, you know." And it feels so good to have that very clear communication back and forth. So, Rhonda, can you still hear me? Yes. Oh, awesome. Um, And Lucy, you said timing and tone. Lucy, yes, timing is very important. And the tone that you use as well, and Rhonda shared with us, it's not about, well, you this and you that, or so-and-so this, how people make me feel. But really, it's like, I, this is how I feel. Make it calm. Make it um, not, um, 
Not like you're attacking him. So, okay, Rhonda, I warned my listeners about this in the email. So I hope everyone uh, read that I, to put your headphones on if you have kids uh, around you. But let's talk about sex. Um, we working wives, we have children to take care of. We have homes to keep up with. And we run businesses too. And so how do we... Um, have the time and the energy because you know sometimes we complain about that and say like oh I'm so tired I don't want to you know get cuddly with my husband tonight because I had all this this long day but I know how dangerous it can be day after day after day and week after week so could you share some advice for us I can I think first of all um, I talked about that in chapter seven of my book, If My mm-hmm. Husband, because it is an issue that there are so many mm-hmm. marriages that struggle with that. No. And I, I think what we as wives have to realize is, number one, um, most women crave to connect with our husbands emotionally through conversation. Yes. Uh, you know, how'd your day go? And when you're a stay-at-home mom and you're working from home or whatever it is you're trying to mm-hmm. do to contribute to, uh, to your family... You know, you've had the same yoga pants on. You buy all black yoga pants. You can wear them several days and nobody even knows how many days you've worn them. (laughs) It's like, whatever. You're kind of frumped out. Your husband walks in the door, you know, and you're like, honey, how was your day? And, you know, I know he went out to lunch. And where did you go? I ate the crust off the kids' peanut butter (laughs) sandwiches for lunch. And what are they wearing out there now? Because I'm wearing your T-shirt. And... I, I'm just so aching for connection with the outside world. I get the value of what I'm doing here, but they don't get it. Those little people, they think I work for them, and they're not honoring me for the sacrifice I know I'm making. And how many times does even our culture make us feel like we're uneducated or, oh, you couldn't get a job, so you're staying home taking care of your kids? And it's like, oh, the, the temptation. I remember when Kayla was born and I was struggling so badly, weeping and telling Steve, please let me go to work and you stay home. And he's like, you can't make enough money. I'm like, let me try. Oh. <laughs> So anyone who's a stay-at-home mom understands, no, there's this huge temptation to say, guess what? Peace out, crazy people. You're going to go to daycare. I'm going to go hang out with grown-ups and I'm <laughs> out to lunch. And when that doesn't happen because we make a choice, this is what I want to do with my life. I hashtag a lot of the pictures in my posts. Uh, my Facebook page is Rhonda Stopping No Regrets Woman. And a lot of the memes that I'll post or the pictures, I'll hashtag it architects of the next generation. Because that is, isn't that make your life more than just wiping boogers and bums all day long? My job is to be an architect of the next generation by how I guide these people that I've been called to lead. How do I do that? And it's not just in a survival mode. It's intentionally every day getting off our phones. I mean, so often we look at those phones, right? Uh, For me, when I was raising kids, it was television. Like we would watch all the talk shows and the kids would be, you know, sitting there listening to someone spilling their beans on Oprah or whatever. But I, I, I read a post recently, a woman that had twin boys, um, let them play on the floor. They were babies. And one day she decided to put her phone down and watch them play. And I think she counted 15 times in a short, that they looked at her. I heard that too. Right? And I think that when our children are playing, they still are looking. Even when they're babies, they're wanting to see. Are you seeing me? Are you acknowledging me? So anyway, back to your question. Um, As your husband walks in the door, for two weeks, if he said, you know what? I've used all my words. I can't talk to you right now. I just need to sit in front of the TV and veg out. I am tired. You would feel rejected. You would feel lonely. Mm -hmm. You would ache for intimacy with him that he wasn't willing to give you. And you would feel like he didn't care about you enough to meet this genuine need that you have to connect with him in emotion. 
Well, the reality is that for most men, that is not how they connect with their wives emotionally. The way that men connect with their wives is through sexual intimacy. And so if we are going to you know, shame them or make them feel uh, guilty or, or selfish for wanting to take us to bed, uh, husbands oftentimes feel like their wives make them apologize for wanting to have sex with them. You know, if one more person touches me, I've been nursing kids and touching my body all day long. One more person touches me, I just don't have anything to give. And your husband's standing there. You know, I I remember being in the kitchen washing the dishes. My husband come up and kissed the back of my neck, which is usually a huge turn on. But when you have the kids all hanging on you, you're like, oh, can you get around what we're doing tonight? Right? And instead of saying, okay, wait, this man wants me. This man is slaying dragons out there for me. He's keeping his eyes only for me. And I am the only person that can meet this need that he genuinely has. So I'd like to read, if you don't mind, Please do. um, a quote from If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. Please do. Uh, most women don't understand that men have a strong physical desire for sex. So why do wives make their husbands feel apologetic for wanting sex? I think one reason is because a woman's need for sexual intimacy is emotionally driven. We want to feel loved, desired, and beautiful. But when it comes, it seems as though a husband's desire for sex is a mere physical urge it becomes easy to wrongly assume that he is acting selfishly and resent it. But what gets overlooked is the fact that a husband's sense of well-being, confidence, I'm sorry, and confidence is very much wrapped up in the sexual intimacy that he enjoys with his wife. Mm. Uh, I think what women don't understand is that men struggle with feelings of inadequacy and loneliness. Uh, Out in the world, you know, your husband may be fighting for a a position at work that someone else wants. Uh, He may be uh, older and there's a young pup coming up that gets paid half his salary and is is vying for his job. There's all kinds of things that a lot of times our husbands don't come home and say, hey, I'm struggling with this or I'm dealing with this. But they come home and if we not just say, okay, it's Tuesday, I'll put out, but we're like, I'm going to take you to bed. But what we have to realize is when we were dating, before we we had children, we had our sexy mama hat on. Now I got my mama hat on, my sexy mama hat, somewhere under the bed, under all those dust bunnies. And what used to say I love you was from your husband and romanced you was he brought you flowers or whatever. Now it's like he comes in with some Gerber daisies and he gives you a wink and you're like, come on, smack you upside the head with those Gerber daisies. That ain't happening tonight. Instead of saying, okay, wait. He needs to know how to romance me at this season of my life. So, baby, here it is. Not in the middle of when he brings the daisies. If you can take all this chaos and make it go away, give the kids cereal for dinner. I don't care. I don't care if they get baths and they go to bed. Just let me take a bubble bath. Let me put my sexy mama hat on. You get everybody to bed and you meet me in the bedroom and I will uh, I will seduce you to my bed. That's what they want. They don't want a wife that just does it out of obligation. I mean, how many honey, can we talk? And they go, okay, talk. What do you want to talk about? Well, I just want to talk. Well, what? No, we want them to engage. Well, the same thing if we just put out because they need it. That's not, that's not, they're not grateful for that. They feel like it's not something you're wanting to do. Uh, and my husband quoted in, in, in the back of each chapter, this, if my husband, my husband Steve wrote from a husband's perspective. And he, one of the sections in the book, he said, from my perspective, um, as a counselor, mm-hmm. men whose wives pursue them sexually are deeply in love with their wives. Mm-hmm. So it's vital that we take our selfish, uh, you know, this isn't fair. Why do I have to do this? And say, I want to minister to this need that only I can minister to. Exactly. And he will be so grateful. 
Rhonda, this has been so powerful. The mamas watching us live have has been have been re- reacting so positively to your message. So thank you so much. And I just want to add something that I just can't just not add. But <laughs> it's it's a metaphor to fast food. So what what are you giving your husband? Are you giving him McDonald's or are you serving him a five star restaurant meal at 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 night? And so, and of course, like we we do. We do um, McDonald's sometimes, right? Like we eat fast food or whatever, not McDonald's, but you know what I mean. And I feel like we have to have that balance of like, what are you serving today? And so interesting, sometimes, like I, this guy was speaking about that, like, you know, the fast food in the restaurant. And I sometimes ask myself that, like, what did I serve my husband this week? Was it a five-star restaurant food or was it McDonald's? And so I, I feel I think that it will connect um, as well with your message. Um, uh, the mamas are watching us now. Sure, and I'd, I'd like to add to that. There are there are times, especially when we got to get up at two in the morning with a crying baby. Yeah. Or it's okay to say, "Hey, babe, this is about you tonight. Um, I got to get up in a few hours, so can this be quick?" That is not like, "Okay, let's do it." It's like I want to connect with you. We both need it, but it can't be forty-five minutes. Exactly. It has to be quick because I got to get to sleep. You know. Exactly. I, that's important to, to communicate about it. And I also have another book out called A Christian Woman's Guide to Great Sex and Marriage. It's available on Amazon.com and it's a real short ebook. So, Oh, how cool. Yeah. Um, and then you have another one that's called uh, I'm Sleeping with a Pastor or something like that. I the pastor. It's, it's for women who are married to someone who's in ministry because nobody gets what we do yeah. like women who are married to someone who's in ministry. Yes. It's yes. also on Amazon or all of those are on my website, NoRegretsWomen.com. Yes, and the website, Rhonda's website, is right below her name, No Regrets Woman, just right under her name. It's, no, wait, the other way. Just right over there. So uh, make sure to put any time to go there. But after we're done, okay, no regrets. And a fun insight, too, if you click on the book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, there's a little audio excerpt of me teaching through each chapter that's free that you can listen to on the, on the website, just little excerpts to each chapter. So that's fun. Thank you so much, Rhonda. That's that's that means a lot. I really appreciate that. Um, so, ladies, if you go to, um, it's in your email as well. If you go to uh, noregretswoman.com, it's right over there in the description of the above the video that you're watching or on the side of the video that you're watching, and then just click over there and you will get the books and um, you will get to her website. Um, Rhonda, this was so amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your incredible wisdom. Thank you. I enjoyed it. It's actually a passion of mine to be able to have opportunities like this. So thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. It was it was absolutely incredible to And I have a new book coming out that I'm writing yeah. right now. It's called Love Stories of the Redeemed and it is due it'll publish January 2017 and I am dying. It's just tons of love stories and it's just oh, it's the best. I'm Wait, so are you and uh, love stories? Are you um still taking submissions for the love stories? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh I my know. goodness. Okay. Where can we find that on your website as well? You know what? Just send it to me through, go to Rhonda Stoppy. Uh, let's do it at yahoo.com. I set up another web, uh, okay. a special email for it, but I can't remember it right now. It's Monday morning. Haven't had enough coffee. So just send it to me at Rhonda Stoppy at yahoo.com. Tell me your love story, how you met, um, just any fun insights about your story and it may end up in the book. Awesome. Great. So mom is watching. Uh, make sure to do that. And I will also send out an email with that email address so uh, moms can submit their love story. Yeah. Rhonda, thank you again so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. Thanks. I appreciate it. And also you can sign up for my newsletter, noregretswoman.com. And I only send it out quarterly. I won't bombard your emails. Here. All right. <laughs> thank you so much, hon. Have a good day. 
Thanks, you too. It was great. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I want to go back and read your comments. You are amazing. Mama, you are amazing. Olga, you're amazing. Wendy, you are amazing. Lucy, you are amazing. Like, it's so incredible to see you live here. Heather Cabtree, oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Leilani, I love that you said sips of coffee and sips of water. Vicky is so balanced. Thank you so much. I feel very balanced today. Thank you. I was like, I almost choked on that coffee, so I'm like, I better drink some water. Um... Uh, Luda, thank you so much for joining us. And Nina, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, Nina, thank you so much for all the love. I really appreciate it. I knew you would love this episode. Oh my goodness. Rhonda was incredible. Um, Lucy said, we've, we've had seemingly endless opportunities to better communicate our emotions to each other since my husband's mystery injury started. Oh my gosh. Lucy, it's so interesting how like in times of trials, like really strengths strengths and I can't talk right now anyway gives strength to our marriage <laughs> um let's see Lucy I really appreciate all your insights sexy mama hat yes I love that too Rhonda you're awesome for sharing that um Wendy said checking the sex boxes box does not meet our husband's needs yes yes Wendy I love that um Oh, Nina, thank you so much. Yes, it was such an incredible show. I really appreciate you ladies for joining us. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I love chatting with you afterwards. And I'm sorry, sometimes I have to go sooner, pick up the kids and uh, we didn't get to chat like this. But thank you again so much for taking your your time out of your busy lives and joining us here on the Mompreneur Show Live, which happens every single Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. I hope you will join us again next Monday because we have another amazing guest on. And again, thank you so much. Also, if you want to learn about five mistakes that mompreneurs make, go on to mompreneurshow.com forward slash five dash mistakes. And you will get a free PDF that talks about the five mistakes that I've made and that you might be making or might make in the future if, you'd, if you're not aware of it. So please go on to mompreneurshow.com forward slash five dash mistakes and get that PDF. I think it will really, really, really help you and bless you. Thank you again so much for joining us today on the Mompreneur Show. We had such an incredible time. I'm signing off, your host, Vicky Lashenko, and this is a show that features amazing stories and lessons of remarkable mompreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>